Welcome to Leadership Spotlight, a podcast that shines the spotlight on L&D and HR leaders from leading businesses around the world. Learn the ins and outs of everyday leadership, what it means to be a leader, and all the learning and skilling that goes into making a successful leader that you would like to follow. So lean in and lead on. Over 20 years of human resources and learning and development experience in diversified industries equips you with all the know-how on leadership management, business transformation, and employee capability development. But it's the understanding of human psychology and the mindset that enables you to tap into the intrinsic motivation of your people to help them leverage their resilience, research, and rification skills for growth. Walking the talk on this learning landscape transformation at scale is Dr. Sunil Singh. The current founder and CEO at Mindstream Consulting and the ex-CHRO of Cadilla Pharma, Dr. Sunil is a visionary beyond his business title. An IIM alumni, he's a leadership coach, business transformation expert, keynote speaker, published author, blogger, and researcher. His study and practice of human psychology, coaching, leadership development, talent management, change management, HR systems, and processes, and HR automation enables him to decode the what, the why, and the how of capability development for self and for others. Hi, Dr. Sunil. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. My pleasure to be on your podcast. Awesome. So uh, you have over two decades of experience in learning and development and human resources. You have an illustrious pedigree of qualifications from prestigious institutions and exhaustive list of achievements. So take me on this journey that you have been on with milestones aplenty. Let me start by saying that I'm a village boy who has come to this level so far. So I started from a small village way back. And uh, then up till class five, I was there. Then moved on along with the family to a small town called Jumritilaya. Did my uh, class 12 from there. And then graduation and MBA from Ranchi. I'm a chemistry grad. A post to my MBA from XISS. I moved on to my first job, which was with the public sector. And uh, it was a pretty good experience out there. Been there and in the center of India, which is Nagpur, for almost six years. Done a complete org transformation. I was leading the VRS out there. I did the complete uh, manpower optimization. Reduced the manpower numbers from almost like 6,000 to a level of around 2,000. Uh, was also involved into closure of the first public sector, which was uh, BGML, based out of Kolar. So I read that as one of my most beautiful experience. Uh, that's the time. And probably uh, for anyone, the first job is always going to be the most memorable one. So that that's what it was for me in MECL as well. I remember the days when I worked on Sundays, I worked late nights, and 
people are still ask me that how come there was so much work in the public sector but believe me that was a, one of the best experience from there on i moved on to do my phd uh, from i am bangalore i give the credit of that to some of my friends two friends i will call one is sanjeev and another is chetna they happen to be my classmates in fss it's a sanjeev who gave me uh, this idea that why don't you go for doctoral program from iims so i took his advice i appeared for cat got selected and from there onwards it was a completely new life journey for me 2003 i joined iim bangalore and uh, got admitted into fpm program for hrnop fpm program has been a very say, different experience this experience which transformed the industry professional into a researcher uh, it's a journey which was quite a awesome journey compared to even my first job so while i remember my first job as one of the most memorable one this took it to the next level uh, converted a industry professional into a researcher my area of research has largely been into the leadership innovation culture hr practices uh, and as well as my phd thesis was on socialization which is uh, in general terms people call it onboarding but socialization is a larger experience than the simple onboarding so my thesis was there being in i am bangalore campus i presented uh, multiple papers at international conferences worked with uh, industry i worked on uh, hr benchmarking for bpo companies in bangalore i did assessment centers for novo nordic so quite a exhaustive i will say experience out there and then from campus i moved on to uh, indusa group i was the head hr for gulf oil which uh, makes lubricant uh, again a pretty good experience with that group then my next stoppage was a point lord was there for almost 5 years uh, i was heading the global od lnd and the performance for point lord worked in the areas of competencies e learning hyper identification development leadership development so that was again a good experience that gave me a lots of global exposure from there on i moved on to uh, reliance uh, which was again a completely life changing experience that gave me a scale and size which probably you no know, other company in the country can give you uh, i handled the multiple hr transformation projects there there was one project which uh, which well documented in the public space as well which is the rhr transformation i led the performance track i was part of the talent track as well i led the learning track for that uh, being in reliance i conceptualized the lms from the scratch so that was my foray into the digitization journey and having done all of that there was a time when i needed to move on to a higher assignments and i joined cadla as a chro in 2018 uh, this was a journey where uh, it had been a pretty good challenge to take up in the industry cadla had been known for earlier low tenured hr professionals but i took that as a challenge and thought that why can't i change this place with so much experience behind me and uh, thankfully uh, i got lots of success in terms of changing this place in the very first attempt i got this company uh, gptw certified and that's a, i would say that's a good achievement normally in the very first attempt you don't get it so that has been the journey so far on the personal professional front if i have to describe myself in a few words it's more I describe myself as a researcher I describe myself as a 
someone uh, who has worked through transformations. I describe myself as a person who is more persistent, uh, having lots of perseverance. So that's about me. That's amazing. Uh, having worked through so many diversified industries, having been through the traditional L&D into digital learning, having grown through multiple roles, and as you describe yourself, a researcher or transformation agent, and a persistent and a perseverant person. Let's talk about the importance of three R's, specifically resilience, research, and verification in leadership. Also, if you could share what these three mean, it would help us in setting the context better. That's a fantastic question. In fact, for the first time I've heard uh, somebody asking this question. And uh, it's a very interesting combination which uh, you have added, which is resilience, research, and verification. So far, uh, uh, no one had asked me this question earlier, but it's a very interesting combination. I would like to take this. So resilience uh, has been and will be one of the hallmarks of any leader or any leadership journey. Uh, probably over the years uh, that has gone down in the ranking as a competency for a leader, but I say that COVID and this crisis have uh, brought it uh, at the forefront of the leadership competency or a skill, whichever way, way you want to define it, at the right now at the topmost skill to have. Resilience is uh, not necessarily about getting stuck into scenario and just keep fighting. That's not resilience. Resilience is about can I uh, reframe the situation in a different way? If I keep fighting a problem or a crisis or any issue, in the same context, with the same definition, what you get is probably a very suboptimal solution. Leaders don't do that. Leaders uh, like to frame a situation, a frame a crisis as a learning agenda and also as an agenda that, okay, probably I'm the chosen one to solve this problem. So it's very important is that you need to change the orbit from where the problem came to a new orbit, redefine it, convert into opportunity, and then solve it. And that's what differentiates a leader from a manager. It also means about evaluating the situation in totality, knowing what is in my control, what is in not in my control. And this is one, uh, again, parameter which differentiates a leader from other. Leaders know that which are the things which you can't do. Leaders know that what are the things I can do. And there is no shame, there is no harm in saying that I don't know. If I meet a person who says yes to everything, then probably that's not the person whom I can describe as a leader. Leaders know that they can fail, and leaders are always graceful in accepting that they have failed or they don't know a particular answer. So that's what the resilience means for me, that I'm extremely comfortable with a no, I'm extremely comfortable with failing, with not able to solve a problem, and that's perfectly all right, because you are not God. Even, even if, if I look at the Indian mythology, even uh, Rama has seven dosas. So if the Rama can have seven dosas, uh, human can have multiples. So it's extremely important to be resilient, to know how to reframe, to know what I can handle or, and what I can't handle. And probably also gracefully leave the scene if I feel that, no, I am not the one who can solve it, so that uh, someone better can come and solve that. So that's what the resilience means for me. And 
the way I define resilience for a leader. Research is more about, uh, and that's a very interesting combination which you can put with uh, resilience. Research is about, can I see myself operating from outside? So there is Sunil sitting out here in a room, giving a podcast discussion with Pandili. Uh, at the same time, can Sunil be somewhere outside and see this another Sunil there and feel whether it's a good, bad, ugly, will be feeling happy about what I'm doing right now. And that view is very important view. A researcher typically comes from that. So manager typically gets imprisoned into a situation, imprisoned into a problem, imprisoned into an organization. Whereas leader can see the organization from outside. The leader can see the same problem from probably a outside view. And that's where the researcher's view is. And that's where this researcher view becomes important. It's not a view which is more about uh, uh, dissecting data. It's not about uh, trying to do lots of analytics. But it's, a researcher is a, actually a mindset. It's a mindset about impartially seeing a context and probably able to draw some insights about that particular context from an outside-in perspective. Whereas uh, a manager typically never comes out of the context. And that's where the researcher view is very, very important. Reification is a different one. Is a, what is reification for me? Reification for me is, a, can I, so once I have reframed, which I talked about in the resilience part, can I create a different image and make that a real image for everybody else? A leader typically does that, that I create a new reality and give a meaning to it. And my followers, people around me is able to believe in that new reality. For example, so when I came into Cadla, it was not uh, as an employer brand or that greater brand, but I conceptualized the campaign, what we call is the happy shift. And employees rallied around that. They were able to believe that this can happen. And that is the job of a leader, that can you sell a new reality? Can you create a new reality which people believe in? You actually give a meaning to the image or the vision you have in your mind. So let me reconnect. Resilience is about reframing. Research actually helps you do that. And verification is about giving the meaning to the new frames which you have conduct, created through your resilient mind. And that's where the leader's role comes is that can I connect all the three perspectives to create a better future, create a better meaning, create a better purpose for the people around me? That, those are the reasons for which people follow you. Those are the reasons why people will probably die for you. This position remains same. The organizations remain same. But multiple people are seen differently. There can be at times a person who will come, who will go by the rule book, go by the SOP, and is not able to make any difference. Whereas somebody who might not have the probably best of the qualification, but still can come, reframe the situation, create a new meaning out of it from a very, very outside in perspective and where then people respect that person, people follow that person. So these are the views and that's a very interesting combination which you did find. Very well explained, Dr. Sunil. And it's so critical because life as we know it, whether it be professional or personal, it's non-linear, which is where ups and downs, the peaks and the troughs will keep coming up. It is up to us 
to reframe it, as you said, to not look at failure as a mistake, but reframe it to look as a learning. And then maybe observe or self-aware, having that self-awareness to understand what is happening without having an inside-out perspective, but rather an outside-in view, and then creating a fresh perspective about it. I think that is what the summary of this could be. Interesting, though, that academics does not teach us these key life skills. Now, speaking about skills, you also speak eloquently about capability development, especially with respect to knowledge, attitudinal, and creative. How can L&D and HR cultivate this mindset in their people to seek and adopt it better? Because far too often, and this is my belief, that we are too comfortable in the known and we reject new learning because sometimes it is uncomfortable and because it pushes us to the extreme edge of our capabilities. What do you have to say about that? I have got very controversial views around this and I will talk from my uh, Reliance experiences. So L&D, uh, by far in the method organization, the way it has been seen is that create plethora of programs, uh, pack the rooms with the people without realizing that whether you are getting any benefit out of it or not. Many a times it has been converted as if a leader will come or speak, possible adrenaline rush happens in the room. You get a good feedback score, probably 10 out of 10 because speaker was a very good speaker. But ask the people after probably 10 days, probably 15 days that did you apply anything out of that? And answer will typically in 99% cases will be no, or probably they'll not even be able to recall that what was the key takeaway from that program. So they don't last for more than probably a day or two or three. You would have heard in many cases in the media and other pieces, uh, probably a boy who was living his life on a road, studied under the street light, is able to crack a civil services exam. Whereas uh, there can be a boy who is a very rich boy around wh whom the, the parents have kept all possible books, have arranged for all possible tutors, but still boy is not able to do what uh, he or wanted to do. So what's the, I will say, secret sauce in the learning? The way I will describe it, and this is not something which is my model, I will give the credit to my boss in Reliance, his name was David Shelchan. And he used to say that, see Sunil, uh, learning starts, it's like a funnel. So very first thing which you need to have is that uh, a kind of uh, insight that possibly there is a gap in me which needs to be bridged, which needs to be filled. Unless and until I have that insight, you can take me to n number of uh, motivational sessions, n number of classes, n number of e-learnings. Uh, I will be able to come out of all of that completely unaltered. So the way I go in, the way I come out is the same. So the very first thing a person needs to have is that there has to be insight. So what's the implication for that, uh, for the LND departments or capability building is that, are you doing something around creating insight in the people? Are you able to create some kind of a connection with their career journeys, their life journeys, something the way they are positioning themselves in the society? Because those are the things which will help them have some kind of insights that what they need. Uh, probably uh, in my current role, I'm too bored or probably uh, that's the maxim I want to 
be in the corporate i am right now thinking about maybe uh, going on an entrepreneurial journey and if those are not connected your lnd capability building all investment is going to go for a complete loss so very first thing with any lnd and capability building program or administrators so think about what am i doing to create that insights into the employees because that's the beginning of any kind of initiative which you will do second part of the funnel is what we call the motivation so motivation is uh, i may have an insight that i want to go on an entrepreneurial journey or maybe i want to grow as a president in organization in a function x or y but my life priority at this point of time is such that it's like a weight loss programs that probably a lot of people do have a insight that they have gained weight but even with that insight they don't want to do anything about it they may laugh about it at some point of time but they don't do anything about it so second most important point in this learning and capability journey is about motivation so how a capability building initiative or administration or the personnel is creating motivation around the different insights their people have so which is like i have a insight around three or four priorities or five priorities which one i am really motivated about which one i really want to pursue which one i want to direct my energy on that's the second step and that's if you have that then rest of the step becomes very very easy what happens currently is that most of the learning administrators most of the capability departments what they do is that they look at how fat is my catalog i have got 20 courses running every day i have got 100 courses running every day and they feel proud about that i will rather rate a department with just five programs or maybe with just a one program running a month far more effective than those 100 programs doing every day the fatness of the catalog have nothing to do with the real capacity development on the ground because catalogs and the content today frankly is available in abundance throughout internet so if i really want to work on whether on my presentation piece or my negotiation piece or my grooming piece or even to develop some kind of a, a how to develop a procurement strategy or a supply chain strategy or how to do a, some kind of a submarine design or a aircraft design or even how to cook a, some kind of a samosa or dosa or a chicken everything is available online the content is not the problem today and that's where uh, many of the learning departments capability departments have failed this time because they are still continue to focus on that instead of focusing on the insight and motivation part of it they focus on content part of it because they, that's far more easier in earlier days possibly you had to do lots of research have to go through lots of books and create lots of uh, ohp slides but today you simply have to go cut copy paste and probably your catalog is ready so job has become far more easier and that's why instead of doing five programs now they do 100 programs uh, with uh, less attentive people people who are bored in the classrooms or on the webinars as well so focus is at the wrong place because if insight is there motivation is there i will find out my weight loss regimen myself and go on it so third step actually is the content part of it but that is where the motor organization focus on i will talk less about it fourth step in that is 
is a practice. That's also is an area which goes completely uh, unattended. Some organizations do it. They do provide uh, job rotation opportunities. They do provide project assignments. They do provide some kind of a mentoring opportunity. They do provide uh, uh, some kind of uh, entrepreneur uh, opportunity as well inside organization. But still about, I will say that 80% organizations don't do much about practice. So let me repeat what I said. First step was insight. Second step is motivation. Third step is actual skill development, the learning content part of it. Fourth step is practice. Having uh, learned and which I can do myself, uh, like the street boy example, reading under the street light and cracking the civil services exam. So that person didn't go to any coaching institute or didn't go to any tutor, but was able to find the content probably from a secondhand bookseller. So content was available even then and content is far more available even now. So content is not the area where actually a learning or, or a capability building administrators focus on. They should actually focus on the next step, which is the fourth step, which is practice. Having learned the concept, having learned the theory, having learned possibly how to do it, do I really get a chance to do it? So I'll give you an example from my uh, MBA days. I was doing my summer project in uh, indoor girls fertilizers. And one of the projects which was given to me was to evaluate the effectiveness of the learning interventions of indoor fertilizer. And there was a number of programs like a program on boiler, program on compressors. There was an interesting program on uh, computer skills, those early days. So everybody was teaching uh, learning computers. So I met those people who actually went through that program. They said, program is very good, but it's now about a year. We have not got a chance to work on a computer. We have forgotten everything. And that's what happens with, again, most of the programs. So, for example, you take a person through advanced negotiation program, but don't give you that person an opportunity to really go and negotiate a deal or even shadow a deal. Then how come you expect that person to retain that skill or build on that skill? It's impossible. For a skill to get ingrained into a person, a competency to get ingrained into a person, when while you have given probably a one hour for learning, you need to give 10 hours for practice. That is the ratio. If you don't provide that thing, then uh, your learning or capability building intervention is going for a complete. What is required in this domain is that organizations, the administrators need to take a risk with the people. Many a times while uh, they send a person for a particular program, in the hope that this person will probably take a new role or a new assignment or will I will move him to a new particular geography. But when the actual scenario comes in front of you, you start taking kind of lots of anxious calls. You know, will he or she really succeed? Uh, should I really do that? All those things should have been thought in advance. Why now? Because now you are thinking that, that means you are saying that, no, this person is not ready for job rotation. I can't risk with him a new project, I can't risk with this person even shadowing a new project, uh, then there's no point of doing the first three steps or first two actually people don't normally don't do the third step. So your investment is lost. So we need to be far more prepared to take risk with the people. Once we have chosen them to go through intervention, organizations, the administrators should be readily giving them assignments where they can hone that skill in practice. 
because that is what will keep that skill or capability inside them for a longer period of time. Otherwise, they will forget it within probably a week or at most a month of going to that intervention. Last step in this funnel, the, uh, what I will call a learning funnel, is accountability. Accountability is again area which is uh, not uh, touched upon by the organizations a lot. This is about keeping a track of the progress. So if the person have gone through a content or the intervention and post that a practice, is the person doing the things as per the schedule? Can, is there someone, a mentor or a coach or a manager or maybe the learning administrator or maybe the HR person who is following up with that person that how is your progress? Do you need some kind of a refresher course? Do you need some kind of additional projects? Then only the real benefit of a learning intervention will be accrued to the organization. And last piece which I will add, apart from this learning funnel, we should not be taking anybody on the learning funnel unless and until a requirement is well laid out and described by the business team themselves. If that is not there, then the accountability of the business goes for a complete toss and everything else falls. So these are my views on the learning and development. What I always believe that uh, when I will review any organization's learning content, the catalog, probably I will trim it down to one-tenth or one-twentieth because that is not needed. What is needed is a insight. What is needed is a motivation. What is needed is a work on practice. What is needed is a accountability. The third step, which is the skill building, the content aspect of it is available aplenty. And given a choice, individual can find a better course, a better content outside than by some mediocre faculty inside. So those are my views when it comes to learning piece. Wow, you packed in so many insights and actionable steps that I'm sure will benefit everyone. I'll try to summarize a few takeaways and maybe some correspond to quotes which are already available and something that we know and resonate with. So one, what I understand is that knowledge is a commodity. We don't really need to really focus on that alone. Second is, if you don't have the motivation, which is yes. where another quote corresponds to this, in my opinion, which is when the student is ready, the teacher shows. The third one, which is about practice more so, corresponds to more of a science, which is a neuroscience. And it has shown us that if we don't put something in practice, our brain does not fire and wire the circuitry, which means you do not ability. There are new concepts of having an accountability partner. Yeah. You named a few, like having the HR or the L&D or the OD or the capability development managers or your line managers who can hold you accountable and ensure that you are on the right path to success, which is where I want to now focus on one of the key components that we spoke about. There is a very famous model that's there available on the internet right now, and it's called the mindset, motivation, and method model. What it essentially does is that it tries to intersect all of these and the area where all of these three intersect is where the juice lies or where the, what do you have to say about this particular, the intersection of mindset, motivation, and having the methods or the methodology to any kind of transformation, whether it be personal, organizational, digital, or whichever. So this is a very interesting one. And uh, I always believe that uh, for any particular transformation, it begins with the mindset. It's like, is your soil ready 
for the new kind of seeds. And uh, way back in I am Bangalore, I was doing a course with uh, Professor Ganesh Prabhu, and uh, this was a strategy process course. So there was a case study of uh, uh, British Airways transformation. Again, uh, there is a Harvard case around that, and I had to design a process of transformation. So I'll come to your model, but what I created there is that. transformation is like uh, creating a new garden so whenever you think about creating a new garden where already some kind of vegetation exists the very first stage is about clean the field because uh, the vegetation which is uh, existing at that point of time around that may not allow the new seeds which is required for the new landscape so some of the unwanted vegetation have to be cleared as a step one once you have done that then probably uh, you go and work on the soil just like a farmer so that's the step which any farmer also follows before planting the new seeds for a new season so old kharpatwar what you call gets clear then you make the field which is like little more plain and then the next step comes is the you seed but once you seed then comes the seedling and those seedlings have a lots of danger from the unwanted birds unwanted stakeholders because that's the time they are maximum vulnerable so farmer will be around that farm will do something so that unwanted stakeholders unwanted birds don't uh, eat away the new seedling and that's the probably the motivation part of it so you had a you have done the mindset part of it which is about the creating the field for transformation motivation part is about how do i protect my transformation so just like that farmer protecting the field from unwanted stakeholder so that the new seedlings which is germinating is not eaten away at the very early stage and once that is done then the next part comes is that obviously the plants have now grown up but there have to be a schedule of uh, watering those plants a uh, schedule of taking the fruits at a particular point of time and that's the method part of it. so whether you call it the mindset motivation and a method part of it or you take uh, this metaphor of the creating a new garden any transformation do begin with uh, what kind of uh, mindset you have what kind of value you want to create after the new transformation and unless until that is thought out at a first stage transformation investment will not give you the result irrespective of whom you will rope in to bring in a transformation even if you will bring in ramcharan or bring in uh, any of the big force or anybody if the mindset piece is not worked out well transformation does not happen so transformation by its word meaning itself is moving from one state of mind to another state of mind so that's the way i look at it and then you obviously you need to have a lot of motivation around it and there has to be a method around it but uh, these three words actually follow the same sequence mindset motivation and the method that's a perfect analogy and it drives the point home so beautifully sir before i let you go where your leadership so my mantra is fight the war which you can fight you can't fight all the wars you choose your own battle you choose uh, which battle to fight which one not to fight out of the 100 problems which may be in front of you probably there is only one which needed to be fought arrest 99 should be ignored and most of the times many leaders become very very ineffective by trying to fight all the hundreds together
Thank you so much, sir. Thank you so much for distilling all of your experience and your expertise so eloquently. I'm sure it will benefit all of our listeners in their L&D, HR, and leadership journey. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks a lot. Thank you for tuning in to Leadership Spotlight. To learn how you can go from learning to leading, visit www.plethoralearning.com. See you next time.